everyone. Welcome to Performing the Arts Season 4, Episode 3, I believe. Yeah, Episode 3. Uh, excuse how I look. Uh, I just came off of work, so yeah, it is it is a, uh, a a horror show out there. I won't, I, I won't uh, deny that. Uh, joining me today is actor, podcaster, Russian, I believe, or person within the Russian community, Brandon Lewis. It's your turn. Hey. hey, how you doing, Bri? Hey, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. And I do not wrestle. I, I have one match under my belt, uh, but, that's, but uh, that's, that's for a good cause. <laughs> but that counts as one. No, I, I've worn I've worn many hats in the in in the wrestling uh, community, though. So. All right, but wrestler, but you are part of wrestling. So even if you aren't a wrestler, you're still within the wrestling community. Yes, yes, I am a wrestling personality. Wrestling personality, okay. All right, so first question is fairly obvious. How did you get into performing arts? Oh, wow. All right, so I guess it would begin with uh, summer youth employment. <laughs> um, uh, I'm a New York City boy. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you're from New York City originally. I know that. Born and raised. Born and raised. All right. So we got the SYEP program for anyone who's watching and not familiar with uh, New York City and our summer youth employment program. Um, and I would say my first professional theater experience began working under summer youth employment. We got the Henry Street Settlement in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and they have an acting program called Cultural Harmony. And we had like a, like a set that we would do. When I started working there, they already had some actors who had already been there already. And they would go to schools and they would go really just make appearances in different places in the city, uh, whether yeah. it be schools or community centers, um, special events. And they would perform skits, comedy skits, poetry, hip hop, uh, step performances. And it was all to uh, spread a positive message, um, hopefully educate uh, uh, urban youth, and if not urban youth, people who want to become familiar with urban youth. Hmm. Just about different topics, uh, commercialism, um, you know, the uh, poverty, uh it it's when i think about the you know we do po we there was a poem that we did called uh my jordans which is it's amazing think about that poem now i haven't thought about it for a long time uh it's by a writer reggie Gaines. but the the poem itself and then seeing what jordans has become you know years later oh yeah yeah, so that's 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 my start. Starting in just community centers, doing poetry, hip hop, uh, step dance, and from there uh, it it just evolved. You know, you you meet a couple more people, you go to a couple more schools. And, yeah. Uh, but my very first start in theater was just in a community center uh, with some like-minded individuals who wanted to make some money, but you know, we didn't want to be behind a desk. We wanted to show yeah. off our personalities and our characteristics. 
like I kind of remember my first time doing theater was probably went with uh, maybe my Catholic school. So I would do like the the Christmas play where I'd be like, oh, you know, uh, I, I remember vividly of me playing maybe not necessarily a Christmas play, but maybe they did the Christmas, not Christmas Carol, not, uh, Nutcracker. So I remember vividly being one in like uh, those toy soldier things. So yeah. Yeah. So not. So I remember being with the, the hat on and maybe the, the suit on. <laughs> I don't remember it vividly, but I just remember it vividly like that. And there was also like the choir thing where it was like, you know, for like masses and stuff like that. So on hand, it was like something like that with my thing where it's just like I started somewhat there. And then over time, I was just going to do it. I was just more and more engrossed with movies and watching movies, stuff like that. So you just, I had this inkling of wanting to be an actor growing up especially when a lot of my uh teachers and stuff like that in high school were like oh brian you have a great voice for radio you're always acting you know you're very passionate about that I was like why don't you just try acting later in life and, you know it's like okay and here i am now where it's just like i'm kind of like in a <laughs> right now i'm kind of like an impasse because of there is no act like there is acting roles but right it's 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 definitely an interesting time like i don't know where exactly you were physically during season one uh but here we are and and the business itself is you know still continuing like i yeah. still get these weird i still get emails from like backstage magazine uh <laughs> yeah you know, so i know there's things out there um but it's also this awkward time because you, it's not the same, especially in New York City, where we have oh, no. this thriving theater community, not oh, just yeah, film, yeah. but theater, and everything's, you know, shut down. And, and it, it's like it's right an now, time to be an actor. Yeah, like right now, it will be essentially be pilot season, I think, or at least, yeah. or, or, and especially uh, for theaters. There'll be a lot more uh, shows opening up on off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway, that sort of thing, especially if it's going to be in, like, the Lower East Side, you know, or mm. even in Midtown, where it'll be, like, a very small theater in Midtown. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of people who even aren't uh, theater people, they know that, like, right now, this is, like, the prime time, or at least the, the prime... Uh, the prime time, yeah, literally the prime time to go see a theater. Now. Right. And now, you know, theater is essentially closed until probably May. You know, by the time this episode comes out, which is probably hope, hopefully, maybe that's about to say June, uh, Ju um, July, January or so, like early next year. I'm hoping there'll be some le uh, leeway where it's just like, oh, you know, by the time February rolls around, there'll be like some leeway where it's just like. Right. Start going back to work because I do miss because <laughs> I do miss being behind the stage. I do miss being, you know, uh, in the thick of it. You know, being a stagehand, that sort of thing too. Which it's like I even miss being in the audience. Like yeah, like, that too. A lot of it is like you're. You're. I saw that you are a Brooklyn College alum. Yeah. Uh, I'm a City College alum. Oh, nice. And uh, what I found a couple of times is that. 
just locals who live in the area. Like yeah. I've been to Brooklyn College a couple of times. I know that there's a residential area not far away. Yeah. And there's people who may not have the funds to go to a Broadway show, but they get their fix by going to a school performance. Yeah. And, and so this, this takes a lot away from everybody. You yeah. know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a very different time right now. It's weird. <laughs> it is a very weird time. Uh, it, it's weird because the last Broadway show I saw uh, was one I was actually ushering. So that kind of counts, but also doesn't count. But I, I, I would say it counts, but it was a, a show I was ushering last year at uh, Second Stage Theater. And no, no, it was early this year. That's right. It, I forget. I, I, I ushered at both uh, the Helen Hayes Theater and uh, the, tel the Terry Kaiser Theater. No, Kisser. Kisser. There's a recurring thing. Is like we don't know how to pronounce that, la that last name. They say it's Kaiser, <laughs> but some people say it's Kisser. So when you say either that, they're like, I know what you're talking about. Also, it, it also happens to be a theater right down the block from the, the Hayes. So yeah, the last Broadway theater, the last Broadway show I saw was the one at the Kisser Theater. But technically speaking, the last Broadway show I actually saw was Tootsie last year. So that's like way, 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 like way thing. And the sad thing is I actually had tickets to see Family of the Opera that I wanted to go see with my father early this year, but we couldn't find a time and place to actually go see those, you know, the fan of the opera because you know even though it's the longest show on like one of the longest shows on broadway it's still about getting timing and stuff like that right and you know what i relate to that so strongly because like uh the the show that i wanted to see and you bring up your father i wanted to take my father out for something special i thought he'd really enjoy seeing hello dolly which oh. is right on broadway and yes, the, just like Phantom of the Opera, like this, this is an old, this is an old play. There's films of it, you know. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's something that I thought my father would really enjoy. Yeah. Um. You know, and, and it was something different, and I really wanted to take him out to that. And currently, can't do that. So I'm hoping yeah. one day soon, even if it's limited space, you know, separated seats, you know. I'm hoping sometime soon I could uh, get Pops to see that. Yeah, same with my father because he loves the family of the opera play. He's, he's got like the 25th, 25th anniversary uh, DVD. He also has a Love Never Dies DVD, which is amazing because I don't, I don't think Love Never Dies, the family of the opera, there are fans of it, but they're like, eh, it's sort of like the Halloween 3 of like, <laughs> it's just like they don't want to talk about it, but it, it, like it's canon, but I mean, it's somewhat canon, but it isn't really canon. <laughs> <laughs> but I need to watch Phantom. I haven't seen myself, but my girlfriend loves it, so we are gonna set a date and we are going to watch Phantom of the Opera. That's gonna happen. Yeah, just don't watch the Gerard Butler one. It's like I will, I will promise you, I will not. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I'm your I, advice on this. I, I love. Joel Schumacher films, but his fan of the opera felt a little off because it's like, oh, it's fan of the opera, but you just pick Char Butler as as the Phantom is like you just see him like trying his best. Yes. At the same time, it's just Gerard Butler. It's like you just you, you like, can't unsee it. That's the yeah. three hundred. Yeah. You just, <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, it, it, it's like it's there are certain actors who could actually bypass that. You know, uh, I just watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just like this 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 past weekend, and I can understand why why Brad Pitt won the Best Actor award. Where it's just it's like, oh, you know, it's just Brad Pitt. But as I'm watching this, I'm like, wow, this is a role that Brad Pitt hasn't really played in, in a while. And, and and the same thing with DiCaprio. I'm just like, these two people, you know, these two characters actually feel like actual people. And these two people actually feel like actual friends, like lifelong friends. And, right. And again, there are certain actors who could actually like slip away the cracks and just actually be that character, and you forget like, oh, you, you know, you're watching this character, you know, like this actor as this character. But anyway, uh, so yeah, the, I'm sorry, folks, there was a tangent. Uh, so yeah, uh, back no, 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 I'm sorry, folks too. We're having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, you should warn me. It's like this is what's going to happen. <laughs> this is what's going to happen when I, I get on the. Uh... Yeah, look, look, look. Uh, e even though I, you know, you and I both go out for our, our day jobs right yeah. now, um, it still feels very limited right now. Like who I actually get to interact with. Like I've been yeah. a good boy. I've been staying home. I haven't been keeping my social distance. So anytime I get to have a conversation with somebody, it's gonna go off the rails, right? Now. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, back to what we were just talking about before. It's uh, the last, but the last show I saw was actually at City College, and it was uh, Savage in Limbo. It was the theater, not the theater club. It was like the small production because they were originally going to be doing three productions during the semester, uh, the, this past semester. Yeah, it was three productions this past semester, like the one in spring, and. Right. They had this. I think they had just done the 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 first production. So this was like the smaller production, and then, and they right. were going right into the next production, which was uh, uh, something blood, uh, something with blood. I forgot what it was called. Right. And I was like, wow. And it's like what you just said before. It's like once you're in the theater, and once you and you're a audience member it's a very different experience because you're watching a show it doesn't matter like what type of show you're watching and we'll get to the wrestling thing because the, and and we'll, you know being a and this goes hand in hand and along with music uh, too is like this goes hand in hand because even even if you're watching a uh theater show i mean a, a play a musical a film a wrestling event or even a concert the experience itself, just being in the audience, is a great experience. But because of what's been happening, it's really limited because of not only space-wise, but also trying to pack at least maybe 200, 300 people inside of us packed space already. So even if the venue is like, oh, we can't have, if the venue is like maybe 50 people, it's possible to spread everyone out. But if the venue holds like maybe 10,000 people, okay, how do we get that to at least 25, uh, 25% and space everyone out? So it's like, it, it's hard to do. And I can understand why, you know, Broadway's gotta be like taking the time off to really evaluate, hey, 
this might not be fixed until May or so. Right. And that's and and that's and that's being hopeful and optimistic. Mm -hmm. But when you see stuff like wrestling, it's like it's odd because I haven't even seen a wrestling thing outside of you know the the company that we both work for or are aligned to, I should say, Catalyst. You know, they're still doing you know uh, closed off shows that sort of thing. I haven't really seen a wrestling show that's being promoted around the New York City area for a while now because of restrictions and stuff like that now. Right. You know, it's it's odd how you know other sports teams. I, I believe, I'm, you know, it's odd because I you know I, I know football probably has uh, people still you know they have somewhat people there. Uh, baseball they have people there, but it was only like you know the back you know uh, cardboard people there too. Uh, I'm not sure what the Rangers are doing or the Islanders. Uh, or the Knicks by the by, by chance, but I know Knicks were like holographic fans, so it's weird being like there are sports things. It's weird that there's sports stuff around, but the the stuff that you kind of love and kind you know the stuff that you love and lo you know love doing, like say, you know like films, theater, what have you. Those are restricted, even though sports aren't really restricted. So it's kind of like a double is it's like almost a double edged sword where it's like, oh, you know, sports, even though wrestling falls into sports, it's still not really a sport sport itself. It's like the same thing with MMA. It's like, oh, MMA is a sport, but it's right. not, not like a sports sport yet. The way that I tried to describe it to uh, my girlfriend, uh, the mighty Alicia, which uh, I, I, I'm sure I'll mention her again. So I might as well say her name instead of just saying my girlfriend over and over again. Uh, but, <laughs> You're good. But, um, the, the way that I described wrestling is it's fight theater. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's very athletic, you know, maybe not a professional sport, but it's very athletic. Um, but if you don't get it, if you don't get pro wrestling, it's because you're still thinking about it as a legitimate sport when you really need to think about it as theater. It is a, yeah. it's, it's a performance art uh, that requires a lot of sacrifice, uh, you know, and physical demands. Yeah, it's like being on stage, where it's just like being out on stage and, oh, wow, folks, this is actually the first. Uh, this is what I look like without my glasses. I, hey, look at that handsome man right there. Yeah. I know, right? But I can't really see anything actually, so excuse me. And back to my Walter White book. Uh, <laughs> I kid though, I'm not actually Walter White. I'm more uh, Herbert West than anything else, but anyway. Uh, Jeff Lillipoom is, but anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Shit, now I actually forgot what I was saying. Uh, yeah, performance theater. It, it's odd because I've been out on stage, and you, it is very taxing to be out on stage, especially when there's, like, hundreds of lights in front of you, or mm -hmm. at least especially when it's, like, directly above you, like how it was. Yeah. Especially with some theaters where the lights are, the lights and the stage are literally, like, right next to each other. So even if you're, like, like I'm 6'1", the stage itself could be, like, a couple inches above, above the ground, and like, a couple mm -hmm. inches above 
You can absolutely, if you're like almost close to six, you know, six feet, you're practically close to the uh, the stage, like the ceiling to where it is. So you could be on stage and also just be like plunging your head to <laughs> to make sure you're not hitting the uh, the light in front of you, because yeah, especially if you're like maybe six two, I mean not six two, like maybe six seven, six eight. I would feel yeah. sorry for you because you're probably hitting the the, the ceiling. So, like, yo, wrestlers and actors have a lot in common, especially on the independent scene. Because if yeah. you're working in a black box theater, you know, just some small theater, it's not much different than uh, than than some of these wrestlers working in, you know, the Elks Lodge or <laughs> yeah, some some of these gymnasiums where the ceiling is right there you know you come off the top rope you know you you can hit that ceiling real easy uh say so it's there's a lot in common there yeah it, it, especially with uh black box theater and more smaller uh venues especially because one of the most famous venues in new york city especially for wrestling is the hammerstead ballroom was it yeah the Hammerstein Warroom. Well, Hammerstein or Hammerstein. It, no, no, you had it right. Hammerstein. Yeah, okay. It, 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 it's a very big uh, arena. Well, not a very big arena, but it's it's like the type of arena you would see. And, and you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sense of what it says. It's a ballroom. Mm-hmm. But, but it still feels big. Even though when you look at it, maybe in pictures, it looks kind of small. So it's, but it's still in a way feels like a black box theater where it's like you have this, well, not black box theater. I forgot what it's called. It's, it's a theater where it's just like where this, the seats are right like this. So there's no real way of actually not, looking at the audience because even if you turn the audience still sees you right so it's like i forgot what it's called but it, it's it, it the the wonderful thing about wrestling is it's very much a theater in the round yeah so even you know and that's part of the reason why it's called a ring it's the squared circle yeah. you know that's uh because everyone's around you you know uh, no matter where you turn uh, uh someone's gonna be there and I don't like talking about wrestling botches or things like that, um, but it's the the pressure is definitely on to put on your best performance because you can be seen at every angle. Yeah. Uh, and from like a, I don't I don't know what it's like to wrestle there. You know, I don't know what it's like to perform there. I know what it's like to be in the audience there. Yeah. I don't think what the audience will ever get is what it's like to, I guess in wrestling we wouldn't call them like stage hands but that's kind of what they are i don't think a wrestling fan will realize how small the venue is yeah and i don't even know if a performer will realize how small it is because it's bigger than some other places yeah when you're actually bringing uh, uh the ring physically into the ring the ring post the ring ropes yeah building the set so to speak uh the ballroom is not made or prepared for professional wrestling so it's actually a lot of work uh yeah especially when you have to not only set up the ring 
and it's the same thing with uh, a stage itself. It's like you have to set the stage, and then once you set the stage, and it all and the stage is all fixed and stuff like that, you got to set up the seats. Yeah. So, you know, even though, uh, even though, and I forgot which one it is because there's two arenas within that uh, within that uh, place. There is like the ECW arena that they used to use, which was the standing room only. So there will only be like the uh, the ring itself, the little entranceway, that sort of thing. And there'll be no seats. It would just people will be like standing all that stuff too. You know, there mm -hmm. may be seats on the ground, but if you're on the top level, you're standing uh, for the next couple of hours. But yeah, the wrestling ring and stuff like that, that's pretty much like a stage. Where it's just like you have everything set up, and then once, and and I've been on the same thing where it's like once the stage has been set up, go out, grab some chairs, put the chairs out, make mm -hmm. sure all the chairs are there, and then make sure all the people get there, sit down, you know, be your uh, be a door hand, that sort of thing too. So yeah, even though. And this is why I kind of like want to have more wrestlers on the show or more people in the wrestling business because there's a lot of cross-breeding between or cross-promotion between both wrestling and theater because it is almost an interconnected uh, form. Uh, like it is essentially almost, it is essentially a sub-form of theater where it's just like you have your planned out stories right you have your heels right. you have your faces you have the good guys the bad guys all that stuff the same thing with theater and when you're on a when you see a wrestler on the mic it is literally almost like doing a solo performance where it's just like okay you have two minutes say what you want and then right. you know it's like okay i have two minutes what should i say in those two minutes like it's almost like doing the same thing with a monologue, where it's just like, okay, right. uh, what is my, you know, what is my, you know, we got to remember those five W's. Uh, what is my eternal object? What is my obstacle? You know, that's mm -hmm. what, especially if it's like the first time you're going to be on the mic too. So, right. Yeah. See, and you're coming at this from a theater perspective and I'm, and you're probably exactly right that these are the things that a wrestler has to think about maybe they do think about but they wouldn't put it in the same terms that we yeah. do uh because they don't even realize what they're doing like like, like uh word per word the procedure of you know performing uh, yeah. but they're doing exactly that they're you know uh a lot of times like like i'm not talking about like wwe uh or even AEW, but when you see the performances, a lot of times there's there is no script. You might not even have bullet points. You know, yeah. depending on exactly like, what level of the independent scene you're working on, there might not like, even be a storyline. It might just be we have matches. Yeah, we need you to promote your fight, and the and and the object of the game, and that's I guess where theater and wrestling. Like uh, different when it comes to theater you bought a ticket to watch the performance yeah uh for pro wrestling they have to put on a performance so you can buy the ticket it's yeah. theater in reverse uh so the theater aspect is incredibly important uh 
but a lot of wrestlers don't have that theater background. So they're learning yeah. on their feet. It's very exciting to watch the evolve, uh, uh, watch certain wrestlers evolve and where they were on the mic when they started versus where they are now. Yeah, there is a great clip of The Miz when he first started out in the WWE where he was doing like the tough enough thing. And right. you have him on the mic and he's doing his best to uh, not only sell the tough enough uh tough enough hotline you could tell he's known for some mic because you'd be like hey, you know 1-800 and then looks at this prominent stands and now when you look at the Miz today he is like one of the best talkers on the mic and he doesn't even need like his uh hand or something like that to look on the thing uh right. the same thing with Bray Wyatt you know Bray Wyatt when he first came to WWE he was like this weird like this generic character right a man husky and, harris yeah husky <laughs> harris like, you could, like like that's a very generic character even for wwe is like like i understand why they were calling him husky harris but it, you know basically because leon lineage and all that stuff but flash forward like say several years later his character has evolved so much right and it's, it's in this weird scene like almost a reverse happening to some of the wrestlers who have great talents on the mic, but they aren't really shown that effect. So their like charisma in the matches, they're kind of like dying down in terms of, you know, uh, uh, just like not necessary star power, but just be like, Oh, here comes, you know, shuts and shuts on the mic. It's going to be a very bore, even though when you look at their performance work, like say, 10 years ago, I was like, wow, they used to be so good on the mic. What happened? So it's like the same thing what you just said before. It's like, it's weird because wrestling is like reverse theater where it's just like you have to sell the people into coming to see a show. Right. Otherwise, you just got to be like performing in front of like maybe five people who were like, come on, where's the wrestling? Something like that. Mm -hmm. But speaking of wrestling. Yeah. How did you get into wrestling itself? Oh, wow. Um, it almost kind of aligns with, uh, <laughs> it kind of aligns with my getting Data involved background. in theater. Huh. Um, I mentioned that I started acting with summer youth employment. Yeah. Um, from there, while I was there, I met a wrestling fan named uh, uh well his, his his name doesn't matter but, <laughs> but but no you know you make a friend you know and you like wrestling you watch wrestling together and uh at some point and this was way back this is when like impact wrestling was tna and they were still doing their wednesday pay-per-views um, oh wow that, that that's old this is way back i'm an old man i just make it look good but the <laughs> i feel you the 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 uh, I know you do, but uh, where one of the friends that I met while we would hang out is uh, my buddy AJ Orsini, and so Orsini, uh, uh, me and him, we would go and we'd watch wrestling with our other friends, and at some point the friends decided I was busy working, I missed out on the first day, that they were just gonna go outside to the park and start wrestling. Ah, those days where backup wrestling was still a thing. Yeah. It's weird because being from the Lower East Side, I didn't have a backyard. I always thought yeah. it was weird that we called it that. But, like, 
you know, uh, um, but we would, you know, we would wrestle out in the park. Eventually, I got involved with another backyard group, yeah. uh, 2KW. And uh, 2KW was run by a guy named Pete Rodriguez. And he aspired for more. He didn't want yeah. to do just backyard shows. He wanted to do pro wrestling. Um, and I'm not sure exactly how it happened, uh, which connections he made. But at some point, we got to put on our first professional wrestling show, or at least my first professional wrestling show, uh, in uh, the Ace Arena in New Jersey, which was run by Mike Morgan. And it's, it's, I feel like it's this piece of, I can't say like New York history, but local tri-state wrestling Yeah, that to me is historic. Because, you know, people like Jay Lethal wrestled at the Ace Arena and uh, AJ Lee, you know, yeah. uh, got to work uh, uh, in the Ace Arena. And so it's, it's to me, it's this, uh, this, this piece of the tri-state area that's gone and I'm going to miss. But whereas before I was backyard wrestling, once we transitioned into the professional wrestling field, yeah. uh, I thought that it was best that I focus my talents on broadcasting and keep my personality in. So that was my start, uh, both doing commentary. I was doing a uh, commentary there. And I also managed uh, a wrestler and in the very first, I believe, ooh, ooh, what was the order? The very first show, it was uh, Sir William Black in the main event defending the 2KW Championship against uh, a man that you now know as Santana of <laughs> uh, Proud and Powerful in AEW. Oh, wow. uh, I wasn't managing at that one. I was supposed to, but I was already behind the commentary. Uh, <laughs> um. And back then he was Mike Drastic and now seeing him as Santana now, you know, that's crazy. Yeah. And then the second show I actually did get to manage. I wasn't doing commentary. Once again, managing Sir William Black, 2KW champion. And in the main event, he was taking on Angel, also currently in AEW, Ortiz. Oh, Angel man. Ortiz. Uh, so these are the guys that I came up with. These are like my buddies. And uh, I began doing broadcasting and managing there. And over the years, my role just shifted. I just flowed. Uh, I yeah, was like, like we were just saying before, you wore many hats in wrestling. Yeah, I've been a manager. I've been a ring announcer. I've been a broadcaster. Uh, right now with Catalyst Wrestling, I'm one of the... Uh, four talking heads yeah. on our Catalyst programming show. Uh, I'm looking forward to our uh, next show on Fight TV, uh, which I believe was airing on Friday. Could be wrong. Don't be mad. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, it, it's it's that's that's part of the pandemic shift too. Now I'm in yeah. a ESPN like talking head program where we break down and discuss the wrestling uh discuss the wrestling program on catalyst wrestling 
Yeah, uh, it actually brings me to uh, a point that, that I was going to have, which is basically the pandemic uh, side of wrestling, where it's just like uh, AEW, they, you know, they've been making fun of the fact that they're kind of like stuck in Jacksonville for the past, like, say, six, seven months now. And right. WWE now has been doing their shows the same thing, where it's just like they're, they're they were in a performance center and now they're in the beyond they're beyond Thunderdome. So it's yeah. it's odd scene and Catalyst, of course, they're on the Sidal Island, which we don't we all know that the Sidal Island is famously inglorious. So anyway, that's not paid in order the same. Uh, they would do a network on the side island. Uh, but yeah, it's odd because because of pandemic standards, a lot of wrestling places have been able to do their shows mostly outdoors. Right. Uh, I know, uh, was it GCW Game Changer? Uh, Game Changer. Yeah, I know yeah. they have done stuff like literally in the backyard. Yeah. And literally on the boardwalk. So it's odd seeing a lot of this stuff. And I know the uh, Josh Barnett's blood sport, even though that's still not like wrestling, wrestling, they had it within like a gymnasium thing. You know, people, uh, people literally just like spaced out, that sort of thing. So it's mm-hmm. odd seeing, you know, it's rough being a wrestling fan because it's like what we just said before, where it's just like, you want to be in that audience and you want to right. be in that engaging with that, you know, crowd and stuff like that, because, but because of what's been happening, it's like, it's really, really hard. Uh, but from a wrestler, uh, but from a wrestling personality standpoint, what has the pandemic really been teaching you about wrestling? Um, I'm not sure if it taught me as much as confirmed something that I already felt strongly but I'm not a person of influence uh, or wealth or well with wealth comes the influence. So I can't really dictate how things should change. Watching both the television production uh, and to a certain extent, the independent uh, 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 production change. You know, there's been moments where it's been really rough and other moments where I'm like, we have evolved into something fantastic. Yeah. Um, when I look at the Thunderdome, for example, like the Thunderdome is consistently evolving. Yeah. Uh, I think most recently I saw, you know, you still got the the screens, but now like everyone's behind like a, like a, a not a linked, yeah, a linked fence, like a linked fence. Yeah, uh, and it has a very it, it kind of makes me feel like you're watching this action movie with uh with like a fight club and uh uh, uh you, you you know you know i don't want to say like wealthy because it's just the wwe universe where we're, we're yeah. not shady uh <laughs> underground lords you know drug lords watching wrestling but it is interesting getting this vibe of this gritty a uh, uh, fight scenario yeah that i think wwe has been missing and they like every now and then try to bring it in like you know they'll they might lower the lights on the audience but a wwe production is still a wwe production oh, yeah uh so they can lower the lights but it doesn't really 
give the illusion of we are in a fight scenario. It yeah. still feels like a giant variety show with a huge audience. So now with the Thunderdome, to me at least, it feels like a fight like atmosphere. And I kind of yeah. like that. AEW, I look at them, I was watching them uh, earlier today on DVR and I was seeing, like, I'm not in love with the way the product looks right now, but where they've picked up slack is their film production. Yeah. Like, WWE is slacking on that. Like, oh, my, watching everybody in Vegas, that was genuinely entertaining. Yeah. And I love how they made fun of the hangover without really doing the hangover beats. And And that actually brings up a good question. And also, I think the reason why they do well with uh, their production standards is because uh, Sick Nick Mondo is, you know, he actually works with AEW as a director or production guy. So Mm -hmm. he knows how to um, work the, uh, well, not only work the camera, but also just like do direct direction, that sort of thing, and do good production stuff too. You know, uh, when it comes to the WWE, it's like it's like what you just said before. They're like the gold standard. They're they are the gold standard in wrestling. So they're you know that's like the big thing you have to do. And like oh, you want to be a wrestler? Try and you know try you know how they got to do it in WWE compared to where other places. And this is where you're talking about with independent work is like. And this is what I love about Catalyst is that Catalyst Wrestling, even though this is a a, a New York I think it's in New York. Uh, well, New York, New Jersey, New York, Jersey. We've Federation. done both. Yeah, New York, Jersey uh, Federation. I'll just say tri-state, uh, tri-state federation. Anyway, we're going worldwide, baby. Yeah. It's Hot Boys International. <laughs> I know. Uh, but you know, Catalyst <laughs> did get to uh, did get to go to uh, Tennessee not yeah. too long ago. Um, and even though, yes, locally, like where we perform at, for the most part, it's Jersey, and we have been in New York. Uh, I'm not sure when that's happening again, but, you know, it has happened in the past. Um, the wonderful thing about the way we're connecting now and the internet in general and how wrestling and the internet have evolved together is that uh, thanks to streaming, you know, you yeah. can watch that no matter where you are. I try not to think of it as local, even though it is, but I try not to think of it because we're performing for everybody watching. And I think everybody should be watching because the people that you see on the show could very much be on one of the primetime networks uh, 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 in the future. You know, uh, Sunny Kiss has been on Catalyst. yeah, case in point, uh, we were. I was just mentioning Bowens, that, uh, Anthony Bowens. You know, yeah, he just part of the acclaimed now. Yeah, he's now uh, on AEW, like contract wise. Uh, yeah. I know uh, Steve Gipke and uh, Tony. Uh, uh, Tony, uh, what's his last name? Uh, anyway, the Jersey Muscle Society. They were just on a on AEW Dark. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Casey Navarro. Your guy, when my boy, gonna, yeah, he was just on AEW Dark, so it doesn't matter. And this is what I was going to be uh, bringing up is that, and this is what you just mentioned too, was that the independent circuit 
has really been thriving because of not only streaming, but also I feel like a lot more promotions are now into connecting with each other. Right. So, you know, just because, you know, uh, wrestler A uh, worked with, you know, promotion A, they was right. like, oh, it's only because, of, you know, they only work on that thing. But because of the pandemic now, wrestler A can now work for promotional B and promotion B can actually work with uh, pro promotion A because of that shared link. Because right. uh, in a way to, uh, like right now, there's a great storyline between Dunda Rosa and uh, and the NWA Women's Championship because even though the NWA isn't a AEW you know entity, the, the championship is actually being fought on an actual you know uh, a network that isn't like a WWE, uh, and it's actually being presented in a very good way too because you know. The NWA has been its own thing for the past, like, say, 50, 60 years, I think. All around that area. No, 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 70 years. There we go. Past 70 years. And because of what, what uh, Billy Corgan has been doing for the past, like, say, several years, he's actually been connecting more and more people with this product. And this right. is what, and this is what uh, you were talking about before with the uh, impact, whereas, well, not impact, but... Uh, you know, Impact has been getting the same thing, where it's like they're building connections too, where it's like, oh, they have connections in uh, Canada. You know, they're bringing people from New Japan, Old Japan, especially right. who worked, especially who worked overseas too now. It's like, right. I think because of this pandemic, a lot more doors have been opening up, especially in the wrestling world. And it, um it's it's i don't know how to phrase it i'm not sure even where to give credit to um you're right that opportunities have uh, uh been created i don't like to think of it too positively because i think a lot of opportunities may have also been taken away um yeah. and we're all as a wrestling community trying to put our best foot forward yeah to the best of our advantage and perform safely um the nwa which is honestly my favorite promotion. And I can't say my favorite promotion right now because they're not airing episodes of Power right now. Yeah. Um, but back when wrestling was on weekly, I felt that NWA Power was my favorite show. Yeah. I felt, was... that it, I, I felt that it had the production value, the names that you recognize, and uh, 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 but also low commitment. I don't have to be a cable subscriber, a streaming subscriber. It's all on YouTube. Um, it's just an hour program. It's very easy for me to watch. But the NWA, for a long time, while they were laying dormant, were already integrating with these under other indies. You know, yeah. whether it was NWA Wildside or you know they they were. They were doing the best they can to survive on the indies by associating themselves with other indie promotions. Uh, yeah. So, to me, I feel like even though it's sad we don't have NWA power, it's very cool seeing uh, Billy Corgan going back to some of those indie roots by forming these relationships, whether it be with uh, AEW or even ROH, uh, you know, before... Uh, the pandemic was uh, taking really? our, trying to take our wrestling away. 
yeah, I, I know that, and this is something that we're just, this is something that you just touched upon, which was missed opportunities. I know the pandemic really screwed a lot of the wrestling plans in terms of not only, you know, and this, and you mentioned TNA before, Impact was really going to do a, a, a single night of TNA back at, yeah. they were going to do a single one night only TNA thing where it's just like all the TNA main stage, you know, people you know from TNA get back one night only, you know, that sort of thing. And they were going to probably do a spectacular show with it too, but because of pandemic wise, it, you know, it stopped. Uh, AEW was going to do a war game style match, you know, blood and, you know, blood and guts war style match, but that had to be scrapped and they basically retooled it into the, st the stadium stampede, which was spectacular, you know. Uh, and yeah, it, it's like, it's weird seeing like the evolving niche of wrestling, especially where it started when the pandemic started, mm -hmm. where it was like really, really unsure by itself to where it is now, where it's just like, they have a stand, uh, uh, well, not a standpoint. Uh, they have a program to work with, especially with, uh, uh, especially with people who, who they need and who they, you know, who they don't need. Because when you have a roster of like say forty or fifty people, you only could use like say half of them. Because you know, especially if some of that, especially if some of those people are in out of state and some of those states are really, you know, under lock and key, you know, but that maybe, or especially in AEW's case, some of those wrestlers are still overseas, you know, they live overseas, you know, the bastard Pac, he lived in England, and England had a lockdown for a while now, yeah. so it's like, uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting how you, how wrestling has essentially evolved from the pre-pandemic phase, which was essentially March or so, mm -hmm. where they had crowds, so they had like they had you know actual live energy, where it's just like the first couple of, like the first month or so, it was like literally, almost being out on in in a theater sense, it was literally like almost like dress rehearsal and the previews, where it's just like we're still finding our footing, but it's not yet there. And then once, and then once we hit uh, the first show day, I mean the first performance night, you know it's opening night. We found our footing. We still need to go hit those uh, hiccups every now and then. But now I feel like wrestling at this point in in the theater terms, it's like it's getting up to the point where it's just like oh, it's now and it's on its extended run. You know, we don't know when we don't know when it's going to be like the closing day where it's just like oh. We could have people back in there. It's like, uh, mm. you know, what I mean, it's on. It, it's it, it's it's it's, 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 it's an interesting time. Yeah. Um, and, and like I try to contain like uh, my feelings about it. Try not to put too many emotions into it because I don't want to make my opinions, especially positive ones. I don't want to make them seem. Uh, I don't want to make it look like I'm overlooking the importance of the reality of our world right now. Yeah. And um, you know, which is why I try to restrain myself from saying too many positive things. Yeah. Uh, it's easier for me to look at the challenges because we as everyday people are facing challenges, but sometimes I enjoy the challenges. Uh, yeah. I enjoy 
like uh, the so there's like a subdued crowd sound right now, but it puts the challenge on the wrestler to perform because now you know it's very easy uh, for you as the viewer to feel the hype of the crowd behind you. Yeah. You know, and maybe something that was fun or interesting when you look back on it is like, that was actually kind of lame. It's like, but at, but at the time I was like really excited and it's yeah. because of the crowd. Now without the crowd, like, not with, without a huge crowd getting behind certain high spots that maybe were patterns people were falling into. Yeah. Now they've really got to rely on themselves and what yeah. little crowd they have to really check themselves. Is like, is my performance the best? Am you know, was what I did in the ring the best of what I got? Uh, everyone is gonna be. Everyone's really under the microscope right now um, because we're gonna see who excelled during this time period and who fell behind. Yeah. You know, AEW seems like a wonderful place, but I know not everybody's getting a contract, and yeah. I know not everybody who has a contract will still have a contract, you know, three years from now, five years from now. Rosters evolve. Cuts yeah. will be made. You know, Roman Reigns, I think, said it best when he says, like, if someone in WWE was really excelling right now, like really, really excelling, you wouldn't need to bring him back. You'd already have a new top dog. Yeah. And when he came back, love him or hate him, you know, his story's been real exciting. Yeah. So it makes a world of difference. Who can perform under pressure is, is uh, going to be what I'm going to keep my eye on, especially in Catalyst, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we talk about it being theater, but that doesn't mean I'm not really keeping an eye on uh, Casey Navarro. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really watching him and this is a guy who's excelling. You'll be seeing him on television yeah. at some point. Uh, 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 I'm watching Steve Gipke. You mentioned that he had that AEW dart uh, tryout. Um, you know, I'm watching guys like Leroy Green out of House of Glory, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm, 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 I'm checking all my friends and either people and, and people I don't know, you know, complete yeah. strangers and seeing how, how, how they excel. Uh, but especially I'm watching Catalyst and I'm saying who climbs to the top there. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, uh, especially with Catalyst, and you mentioned before with streaming services, and you did mention podcasting in your tweet before when you were actually promoting this in interview. Yeah, man. How did you get into uh, podcasting? I feel like it's all an extension. Um, <laughs> This is like what, like this, like with from what I'm gathering with you is like, yeah. So how did you get into performing arts? Well, I, it was all about when I was a. Uh, it was. It, it's like. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily go that far back. But you said something earlier that I relate to strongly. Oh, okay. Um, you had mentioned the, you got a voice for radio kind of thing. Like you have yeah. this voice that, you know, really captures people's attention. You know how to talk to people. Um, you know, you should do that. And podcasting is something I've always thought about doing. Um, but from theater, you know, you know, theater came first for me. Yeah. You, you know, so I was doing community theater and then I, you know, I was doing school theater and, uh, uh, then I went to my first acting school and I was doing off, off Broadway productions and 
then I was getting extra work. So like, that's where it starts. Yeah. But then I got into wrestling and then from wrestling came broadcasting. So my first like interviews were in wrestling. It wasn't podcasting yet. Yeah. But I was getting my experience broadcasting. So everything I was doing from 1495 sports to, to house of glory wrestling, uh, uh, was just like a step up, just like the next not next notch up. Um, podcasting was something that I always want to get into, but I can't take the full credit for how anything I'm doing on 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 the social media front. Yeah, I can't take full credit for any of that. Um, I have the YouTube vlog, Comic Conversation. And that's a product of my buddy, Joe Pombo, who I met through wrestling. Ah. Uh, and we talk about comic books and I just kind of do what I want. <laughs> I read comic books and I talk about it. Um, the podcast is Belly of the Beast. And mm. Belly of the Beast began as something I wanted to be a YouTube show. <laughs> you know, uh, I had already talked wrestling and comic books and I felt like there's, especially with, I feel like uh, nerdiness, I, I, like, I, I hate saying this, uh, but like the nerdiness became trendy kind of uh, dialogue that people say. Um, but the, 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 I wanted to, aside from Comic-Con, go to places that were nerdy aside from comic book conventions where nerds can just enjoy themselves and be geeky and yeah. you no, know, just be yourself. And I wanted to do that with uh, my girlfriend, Alicia. And that never like this, it began as a going to cool places. And what it ended up evolving into was a going out to eat. Those became our cool places. Cause a lot yeah. of times, you know, uh, 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 these cool places we go to are followed up by dinner. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, we go to Comic-Con and then we're already there in Hell's Kitchen. Might as well grab something to eat in Hell's Kitchen, you know? So that's how that uh, uh, evolved. And we scrapped the nerdiness thing, although we're still nerds on our podcast. We bring up video games. We bring up yeah. uh, uh, anime. You know, whatever is on our mind, we talk about because this is my... Uh, you know, this is my legitimate girlfriend. You know, it's not, it's, it's not a role that we're playing, you know. So our banter is real. We're not doing it just for the lulls. Um, and we go out and we eat all around the city. Although most of the time it's been Queens and the Lower East Side, but we yeah. ran out into Brooklyn. Uh, we, went, uh, we, went to, we went upstate to go apple picking recently. Oh, nice. And it evolved into a podcast. So instead of a YouTube vlog, it became a podcast. Uh, Alicia had gotten involved with uh, a group called Anchor, Anchor Podcasting. They had an app. And she, I looked at it as, well, she was doing her podcast with her sister uh, on the Anchor platform. I didn't want to begin yet because I wanted to wait till we had the microphones and, and yeah. make sure we had everything we need. I didn't want to sound amateurish. Um but I was watching her as she did it and she like, it was a lot of fun listening to her podcast. 
And then when we got the equipment and, and, and things started to evolve, she was building her experience as a podcast, uh, podcaster. I already had my experience as a broadcaster. And Anchor got bought by Facebook. Oh, wow. So as everything is aligning, I became, you know, when we finally decided to launch our program. She became the audio engineer. I became kind of like the producer because, you know, I got the equipment we needed. Yeah. And we'd just go out to eat and talk about our good time or our bad time uh, <laughs> on the microphone. And it's really, to me, that was organic. Like, like everything, where, whereas, whereas theater was, you know, meeting people and luck and even... You know, even wrestling to a certain extent, that was luck, you know, that, that required meeting people. Yeah. Podcasting uh, uh, was just a natural thing that even if nobody listens, I would still be doing it because yeah. I really enjoy talking to Alicia on the podcast. And when you're in a relationship and now we're going on, we're getting close to our five year anniversary. Uh, you know, sometimes it can be hard to, you know, come up with conversation, but when oh, you're yeah. on the microphone and you're in the situation and I'm face to face and we're having this conversation for 45 minutes to an hour uninterrupted, no distractions, I still learn new things about her. Yeah. And so while it is a food podcast, for me, it's just great couple time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you was like, uh, especially when you were discovering new foods and stuff like that too. Especially it was like, you know, uh, I never. Especially if you slowly start become like a foodie, where it's just like, oh, I love this thing. It's like, mm -hmm. and when you're doing it with the person you love, it's actually a lot more exciting because it's like you're bouncing off. It's literally like a conversation between these. It's like when you listen to it. It's a conversation between two people who really know each other. Right. So it's like, it's a real surprising when one person doesn't know something that, that, that uh, sparks another person's thing where it's like, Oh, I didn't know you didn't like this food. So it's like, it, 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 it's, it's, there, there's a lot of discovery there. And the fun part is I feel like we're, uh, uh, we kind of counter this meme, you know, <laughs> the, the, the meme of the, uh, you know, what do you want to eat? Or, or, and then like, you know, the girlfriend says nothing. And then she like samples some of your food. First of all, we're going out to eat. <laughs> uh, so, so, so she, we're, 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 if she doesn't know what she wants to eat, really the struggle is choosing the restaurant. And then once we get to the restaurant, then we're looking at the menu and, and it, it's, you know, so there's a lot of options, but we know we're going to eat, you know, yeah. we've committed to that much at least. But also, we're always sampling each other's foods because it's like, oh, this was good. How was it? Because I want to be able to, not just because I want to try it out, but I do want to try it out. Yeah. But it gives me an opportunity to sample it. And maybe she doesn't like what I ate. Or maybe I don't like what she ate. And, and we can have that uh, uh, kind of banter there and, and share our experience because her experience, even though we're there together, might be different from mine. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's fun. Um, I know, I know right now when, when you're doing this, you get to talk, uh, you got a different guest each, uh, uh, each episode. Yeah. Having somebody to talk to really makes the, uh, uh the interview. Ooh, had a little burp there. Yeah. Uh, uh, makes, uh, <laughs> makes the interview 
go uh, uh, so good and it makes it yeah. feel so seamless because my buddy Orsini, he, he, he had his podcast and he talks wrestling on there. And for a long, long time, it was really just him. He was one man showing it. And he would have some guests occasionally, but it was really just him doing a one man show. And that is so challenging. Uh, I, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I uh, need somebody to talk to. Yeah, it, it helps when you have someone to talk to. And, that, and that's really what came about with this podcast was that, you know, I, you know, I generally love theater. I generally love film. I generally love a lot of performance aspects. So talking to someone who has the same performance background or at least has some performance off background, uh, and especially if, and find and it's the same thing where we're just talking about, which where it's like, you have to have that shared connection where it's just like you're talking to this person. And it's weird because, you know, once you start talking to this person, it doesn't matter if you're talking like say 40 minutes to like an hour, maybe even an yeah. hour and a half. It's like, it's, it's a good conversation. Yep. You know, uh, not too long ago, I uh, no, yeah, not too long ago, I had an actor who was actually not like an actual actor on the show. And even though we spoke for like 45 minutes, I kind of want to stretch it more, but I feel like after 45 minutes, it was like, you know, I can't, I don't know any more questions to talk to this guy about. You know? <laughs> like, even though he's been around, or, you know, even though he's been around for like 30, like 35 years or so in, in acting, it's like, I have no more questions I could ask him about. And then over the while, I'm like, you know, I could have asked him about this. I could have asked him about that. He was in a James Bond movie too. So it's like, it's right. weird just talking about, talking to this actor, but still, even for that, even for that 45 minutes, I still feel like I did good because it's like what you just said before, 45 minutes to an hour, that's great conversation because, you know, mm -hmm. people, you know, that's the average time of someone even eating dinner or something like even eating lunch. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of time, though, uh, yeah. we're kind of like, I'm kind of like wrapping it up with my own time because... <laughs> Because, this, this almost uh, became a two-part interview. Yes. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I sometimes uh, hate doing that sometimes, but I, I do have three questions, though. Sure thing. One, do you have any projects coming out that we should know about? Um, so, yes. Uh, uh, I no, no, theater, no theater projects currently because I'm there, – there's been no uh, – No theater. Uh, there, 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 there's been no – uh, auditions for me. I've really been trying to keep safe and staying to myself and, yeah. you know, maybe I'm a fuddy-duddy for that. Maybe I should be out there and, and, and doing that, but I don't feel comfortable. Uh, and that's Same the one thing. thing about social media, being able to perform here. Yeah. Uh, so what I will recommend for people who want to check out what I'm doing, uh, check out Comic Conversation on YouTube. Uh, the, the, the actual channel is to be seen, to be E S C E N E to be seen on YouTube. But my show that I'm on is comic conversation. Uh, I talk comic books usually by myself, sometimes with my friends, sometimes with special guests. Um, uh, uh, so, so I had Logan black, who's been on catalyst wrestling before, and we were talking Batman and X-Men and, and that was a lot of fun. So do check out. Uh, 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 comic conversation on YouTube. Uh, also, check out my podcast. I mean, we were just talking about it here on the show. <laughs> Belly of the Beast, baby. 
you can check it out on Spotify. You can check it out on Anchor, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Breaker, Stitcher. Uh, we're there. Um, and uh, 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 so, so definitely do that. Check out those things. I, I, would, I would be fined by Harry Tarjanian if I did not mention Catalyst Wrestling. <laughs> Uh, we got shows every week on Fight TV, and I believe there's a couple of other streaming networks. Probably, maybe I don't know. Wrestling is, is a whole bunch. Of <laughs> <laughs> Wrestling's happening everywhere. There's a YouTube channel for Catalyst Wrestling. Uh, uh, you know, so I'm doing a bunch. And if you're interested in food, check out the podcast. If you're interested in comics, check out uh, uh, you know Comic Conversation on YouTube. And if you're interested in wrestling. You can check out, uh, you know, you know, check out Catalyst Wrestling. Um, what were the other two questions? <laughs> uh, well, you well, you've already mentioned your social media. Well, technically speaking, oh. you some of the, some of the social media that you already mentioned. But do you have any personal social media that you want to plug? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for letting me do that. Um, yes. I think the easiest way to see everything I'm doing is uh, checking me out on Twitter or and on Instagram at Lewis or Brandon uh, because my first name is Lewis. My middle name is Brandon. Some people know me as Brandon. Some people know me as Lewis. And I'm tired of trying to clear it up. So Lewis or Brandon is the Twitter and Instagram handle. Uh, and I talk about everything there. Food, comic books, wrestling, what happened today, uh, <laughs> what I'm reading. <laughs> whatever mess i'll be as entertaining as possible or i'll be as whiny as necessary what? Yeah. <laughs> and my last question is fairly obvious but do you have any advice to those who are watching at home especially if they are a aspiring actor or aspiring podcaster or just aspiring oh no what happened folks i think we lost brendan but that was the end of the episode so i hope you all enjoyed it so Take care, everyone, and please be safe. Take care. Okay, I was I was wrong. Uh, that wasn't the end of the episode. You just got disconnected. I can't hear you. Nope, I cannot hear you. Hear me? Whoops. Yep. There you go all that talking and didn't even connect to the yeah my battery died and i forgot to bring my charger down. <laughs> oh man uh I'm on my phone you're on my phone we're gonna make the best of this yeah i was like i was you started going to a thing and then suddenly you just popped out like, yeah and then i disappeared i'm so sorry about that but i'm gonna try and set this up oh the editing room the cutting room floor is gonna be Let's see, this all looks terrible. I should have just brought my charger down. Um, give me one second. See how I can finish. <laughs> okay, so I wasn't, so, uh, so yes, I thought that Brandon actually got cut off or his power died and apparently yes, his power no, did no. die. The power but, died, but I live on. <laughs> power um, but yeah, do you have any? But last question I was trying to ask you before you got cut off: uh, Do you have any advice to those who are watching right now, especially if they are expiring, if they are a expiring actor, 
a wrestling performer or podcast or what have you, especially if they're, especially if they are just in the performing arts in general? Um, the thing that I would recommend is based on not what I have done, but I feel a little bit, it's a little bit of what I have done and what I should still be doing. And that's get involved in a little bit of everything. Um, I would say the more successful broadcasters uh, in the independent pro wrestling scene, for example, uh, they, uh, they're also ring announcers. You know, uh, don't limit yourself to just one job. Like, like uh, uh, I've ring announced. I don't like it. I'm not even bad at it. I just don't like it. But if you really want to be seen and feel useful and get paid, ring announcing. That, that, that'll, that'll, that'll get you there. Um, and the same goes for theater. Uh, if you want to be in film, you should still be applying for theater. And if you want to be in theater, you should still be getting involved in film. You oh, should yeah. be doing student projects. You should be doing uh, 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 school projects. Uh, well, that's the same thing. I'm sorry I'm being redundant. No. Um, independent projects, commercials. There is, despite what you want to be, you want to be seen. Uh, uh, not a plug for the YouTube channel, but I'll take it. Uh, but, but you want to be seen on as many platforms as possible. Uh, a lot of comedians, whether you think they are funny or not, because everyone has a different taste in humor. Uh, a lot of comedians write their own work. You know, so uh, when you see someone like Melissa McCarthy and, you know, maybe you don't like Melissa McCarthy, maybe you hate the Ghostbusters movie she's in, but she gets the work that she's in because she writes her own work. Uh, so be involved in as many projects in, and uh, don't just be an actor. That's yeah. the best thing. I Do not just be an actor be a writer, be a producer, be a director. Um, you, 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 know, you know, even, even with podcasting, uh, I, I, I'm the producer. I bought the equipment. Alicia is the audio engineer. She's getting involved in sound. We did, you know, she didn't go to school for that. Self-taught, we're doing the best we can with the tools we have. So the advice that I give, no matter what subject matter we're talking about is uh, be involved, be proactive, uh, and do the most you can do to get to the top because just trying to do one trick ain't gonna, ain't, will not be a success story. And on that note, that's a great way to end this episode. Thank you, Lewis, Brandon, or Brandon or Lewis, depending on how you say it. Lewis, Brandon, Brandon, or Lewis, <laughs> Lewis or Brandon on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, uh, but Luis Brandon Torres will do just fine for right now. Brandon, uh, just thank you for being a guest on this uh, on this podcast. Uh, thank you for talking about your experiences, but with everything involving theater, not only how you got into theater, but also just your wrestling experience in general. Uh, and yes, thank you just being on a, just being a guest. Thank you for having me. Of course. So yeah, been awesome. So yeah, take care, everyone. All right, bye, man. Be safe. Have a good one. Thank you.